This episode of the Duck Gun Podcast proudly brought to you by Gunner Kennels. Gunner Kennels, the market's only double-walled, roto-molded dog crate, and a five-star crash test-rated kennel. These American-made boxes come with a lifetime warranty, and the guys over at Gunner Kennels have done some crazy testing just to show how strong they really are, like dropping 4,000 pounds on it, hammering it with a 630-pound sled, tossing it off a 200-foot cliff, and shooting it with a 12-gauge at seven paces with no pellet penetration. You're hitting the road with your dog this season. Gunner Kennels is your safest bet. Protect your best friend and protect your investment. Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. On today's episode, we're joined by Hunter from HGR Innovations, and we talk about late season goose hunting strategies. But now for a quick word from our partners, and then we'll be jumping right into the podcast. Hey guys, Tim from HTR here. If you really want to get your group up front and in the action, check out our new HTR A-frame. Hunt anywhere, concealed. It sets up and takes down in less time than it takes to put your waders on. We've developed our own camo patterns for a better hide, with more designs coming. We have you covered from the sides and the top. Oh, and did I mention, our A-frame is only 10 pieces out of the box? Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and on htrinnovations.com. Hey guys, another great company that we have partnered with is Sportsman Taxidermy. And we had Corey on the podcast not too long ago, so jump back, check that one out. Really great content there. Um, But they do everything from waterfowl, deers, turkey, and they've even done a lion at the shop. It's award-winning taxidermy, and they're out of Belton, Missouri. Um, You can reach them at 816-331-5171 or email at taxidermy at outlook.com. And did I mention, if you're not in the area, they also do shipping, so that's great. Be sure to check them out, guys. We'd like to give a big thanks to our partners over at White Rock Decoys. Be a nomad and get out further with more decoys with their lightweight system of windsocks, silhouettes, and fully collapsible floater decoys. We'd also like to give a big thanks to our partners over at Bailey's Game Calls. These 3D printed plastic calls are made in America, highly customizable, and floating. They also have a patent pending on the density of their calls, which allows them to mimic wood and acrylic calls be sure to check out bailey's game calls for your next duck or goose call what's going on folks i'm jordan from duck gun chronicles got my co-host alongside me elliot graybeard from freelance duck hunting and our guest for tonight is hunter from hgr innovations how are you doing good thanks for having me yeah it's good to have you on i've I've, uh know you from the videos i've never talked to you (laughs) yeah i'm pretty much the same person so (laughs) <laughs> developing that pseudo relationship with you <laughs> awesome so uh the topic for tonight is going to be a late season goose strategies and uh, we got hunter on here because we got northern indiana we indiana we actually have a late season goose season that goes from january all the way through 
uh, first couple weeks of February. So uh, he's been hunting that for a little while, and uh, he's the resident expert on the subject. So, <laughs> so, so says you. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna have have him on here to kind of spread his knowledge and give us the the lowdown on the geese. <laughs> so tell me about your guys's geese in Indiana. Do they, are they there all year round? Are they migrating in and out? When do they show up? How how does how do the geese work up there? So we have a really heavy resident population of geese. Um, we pretty much have them all year round, and then um, usually around middle of November, I'd say, um, as we start getting colder, is when we start getting a push of more geese, which just adds to it. Um, and then they'll push through. So we we get we do get a, a good amount of of geese moving through, but we always have residents sticking around as well. So that's kind of what helps us out with goose hunting in our area. Now, are those like resident geese around here are typically like golf course geese or um, private pond and lake geese? And they're totally different than they'll, they'll sit on the golf courses, but then they'll still go out to feed. Um, is, are your resident geese a lot different than, um, like our wild geese come in or our, our migrating geese come in. And I mean, they're hanging, they, they just hang out in totally different areas as far as, especially with their water than the, the local geese do is, is there any difference for you guys? Yeah. Um, the resident geese seem to be a whole lot smarter. I mean, they know where they're safe um, and they, they're really hard to hunt, but yeah, they know all the little spots, the little marshes, um, a lot of golf course geese, a lot of um, urban geese, I guess that will uh, hang out in the parks where all the people are walk across the road, but there that's where they'll hang out. And yeah, the, the, uh, the migrators stick to the big lakes and on the river more so, and then they'll they'll go out and hit fields. Um, whereas the the resident geese, they love they love their grass. They love their green grass. It seems like in the parks and the, the golf courses where they're they're less pressured. They're just they're really smart to the area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're there all year round. So you guys still have a you have a good population the whole year. Yeah. 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 We we do get some nesting geese here. The resident ones will nest here, but I mean, you know, in the summer if you're on the river and stuff, you'll see a few packs of geese here and there. Um, but once they come in heavy, which they haven't done yet, if you're flying highways and stuff around dusk, you can't you can't look anywhere without seeing just flocks of geese everywhere. And it seems like every field has geese going down in it. They get down in here by the I mean hundreds of thousands um, when it when it gets cold, which is yeah. really cool. And I don't know what types of geese you guys get out out there, but we are pretty much strictly Canadians over here. Mm-hmm. We rarely see, we'll rarely see snows. If they are, they're mingled in with the Canadians. We never mm-hmm. seen, at least in northern Indiana, we don't see any specks really. If you get over towards the Illinois border, you'll see more specks or even central southern Indiana. But northern Indiana is just pretty much Canadians for the most part. We get a decent number of specks. They come through fairly early, um, kind of just right after the pintails, and they go back up north a little bit later 
Um, but we do, we do have quite a few of them. When we get snows, especially on the migration back north, we get snows just in the hundreds of thousands. Yeah. Um, snow goose hunting around here is becoming a bigger and bigger deal, especially right on the Missouri side. There's you know, they they fly the Missouri River a lot. The snows mm-hmm. do. So the snow goose hunting in February and clear up to early March is can be spectacular here. But um, but most of you know we're, we're shooting Canada's and we don't have that many lessers. We don't have that many cacklers. Um, we do have a few of the big giants. Um, well, you'll hear about a 13, 14, 15 pounder getting shot every now and then. I think I, the biggest I've shot, I think, is an 11. But mo- most of the geese we're shooting are anywhere between seven and 10 pounds, which isn't mm-hmm. small. You know, it's not, not right. tiny, but not right. massive either. But yeah. that's most of what we get, are just kind of those regular old Canada's that are yeah. nice so and how, fat. How often do you get specs then, Elliot? How often do you shoot them, actually? Oh, I, I've only shot one spec ever um, oh, okay. myself. But I think you have to target them. I mean, you have to be in the fields and and hunt them in the fields to get them you're not going to shoot them in i did shoot mine in a marsh if you're out at shining bottoms you will shoot a few specs um mm-hmm. in the marsh which is where i shot mine but um and and you'll see a, we'll see a lot of specs um coming back north with the snows when you can't hunt them but um you have to be tar- you have to be a goose hunter that's out in the fields to be seen and shooting specs which i'm not because i know mm-hmm. uh, bobby hayes is talking a lot about how many more specs he's seen than than in the past i i just hear you can hear them migrating at night on north anytime we get especially october november we get a north wind you will hear geese during the night just when you're out taking your dog out or something going over and and you'll hear specs a lot of times during that Hmm. but i don't actually since i'm not in the fields i don't actually shoot them but i would love to because they're spectacular birds yeah i would uh i'd love to shoot one as well even Maybe uh, get one for mounting. They're just yeah. uh, definitely on my bucket list. You know, got Pintel and got the, the mm-hmm. spec right up there at the top of the list as well. Yeah. Yeah. I was lucky to get mine, mark mine off the checklist that time. It was, I think that was around 2010, 2011. I shot one. It just coasted right on the outskirts of our, uh, in fact, that day we were shooting mallards and Pintail drakes and I shot that one spec. It was an, oh, it was a great day. Just my dad and I, it was a great day. <laughs> we were having Pintail just hovering over it's multiple flocks it was awesome <laughs> if, if you want to shoot pintails you go to october go to shine bottoms in october you hunt there for four or five days you'll shoot some pintails for sure nice so uh, i guess let's uh now that we kind of got that that out of the way let's jump to kind of the categories um uh, more of a breakdown of the strategy we use for goose hunting so um hunter you want to kick us off with something yeah, I guess um, I guess we can start out with feeding patterns and kind of what to expect. Um, I, I think at, for us over here, uh, the later it gets, the colder it gets, uh, the more the more geese we see, the more they feed, um, the better chance we have. I think the more hunts we get on, as the colder it gets for us, um, because we know. We know they're going to be hitting a lot, mostly corn fields is what they'll they'll hit in our area, and uh, the colder it gets, the more consistent they are to to hit in those corn fields. Um, and so that's where that's primarily the crop we hunt a lot here. Um, 
and they're more consistent. I think. I think uh, the colder it gets, that's they tend to get off a little later. We've seen it where, um, where we'll find a big roost of birds, and those geese will hang. If it's really cold, bitter days, single digits, those geese will hang on that water as, as long as they can to kind of keep it open. Um, but then they'll feed late morning and uh, into the afternoon as well. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll target the, the cornfields and uh, set up on them on near a big roost. And... So do they, will they feed multiple times a day there? Will they come to the field, go back to water, and then come back out? Have you seen them do that before? Yeah, they uh, especially when it's cold, they'll do that. They'll they'll come out late morning. Um, they'll feed for a couple hours, and they'll go back like early afternoon and go try to keep that water open as long as they can, and then they'll come back out in the evening again. Especially when it gets like twenty or below, that's when they're feeding. It seems like most of the day, except for a couple hours, that's the best time to get on them. You can go set up on them midday for the afternoon or, or go set up on them in the morning. So that, that's where we have our most success. Usually um, as the second season starts in late December, ours goes all the way through February. So that January, January is like the, the best month. And then into the beginning of February, when it's the coldest, um, we have the most success because they're feeding all the time. Jordan, my my uh, camera appears to be frozen on there. I don't know if there's anything you can do on your end, or whether um, we just don't worry about it. I can try. Let me see. If if you can't, if you can't, no big deal. Um, like we lost your video, so let's we'll, okay. we'll continue on without it. Okay. I remember one of the first times I was late high school, and my dad and I went hunting with a friend of my dad's who was avidly into to goose hunting, and we had never hardly done anything and and we weren't even using decoys what we're the plan was that he knew the field they were coming into or no 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 we were we were finding them in the fields and then stalking them that's what we were doing so we found <laughs> okay. all these candidates in this field and we we're trying to just get in, in line position of them and there was several thousand in this field and they all got and, and this, this field was really close to a reservoir so they got up and they went back to water and i was all bummed and this guy's like no no 45 minutes they'll be right back here so they'll be right back. So we'll just get set up and they will just come right back into the field. And sure enough, like 45 minutes later, they came directly back to the same field <laughs> and he just, we just let them all set and just kind of hung out around them for a while. And then ended up, you know, getting a, taking the best shot possible and shooting a couple each. And I'm not mm -hmm. sure why we weren't using decoys that day. Cause I know this guy was a decoy hunter, but I, I, I just didn't realize it was so cool. Cause he was just like, they'll be back. They'll be back. They'll be right back here. Yeah. And sure enough, here they come. Just and it was quick too. It's like they just ran for a quick drink and came right back. And I didn't know if I've never seen anything like that since. I like I said I don't do hardly any field goose hunting. So, um, but I just thought that was real interesting. Yeah. What? What? How? How cold was it when they were doing? That? It was cold. Yeah. I don't remember how cold, but I know I remember it was cold. Yeah. Yeah. But interesting to see that. Yeah, I guess uh, let's just jump to the the next next thing I'd have on there is kind of the locations you look for in late season for the goose. Um, obviously, the rivers are going to be awesome, especially when you get super cold and it's going to lock up. You can find tons of geese on the river, and um, you know there's you can hunt them on the ice. It's a lot of fun. 
uh, and find sandbars that are open, set up on those is great as well. Um, the ponds get a little bit harder the later it gets, um, just with the ice and that kind of stuff, I guess, unless you can find an ice hole or something like that. But I've personally never hunted geese over an ice hole the same way you'd hunt ducks. Um, what are you guys thoughts on that as well? Uh, yeah, so late season, um, we only have like a, a 14 foot little John boat. So, um, the, the main river we have here is the St. Joe and it's, it's a pretty big main river, uh, fast flowing. So it's, it's kind of hard to hunt it, but, um, late season, especially anywhere you have uh, flowing water with an ice shelf, it, you're pretty much guaranteed to have geese there. Um, and we've done this multiple times where we'll set or we'll put, we'll dock in with our boat and we'll actually just float down the river and you can catch, you know, just bring an oar and just kind of move yourself to one side. If you know where the ice shelves are going to be and you come around a quarter corner and you can just catch them sleeping. It's awesome. So that's great. Anywhere you can find an ice shelf, there's guaranteed to be, to be geese there with moving water. I seem to love that. So that kind of brings us to another thing. I know that Elliot, you wanted to talk about as well, but we've both had people leave comments um, on our videos we posted where we put uh, goose hunts from the river and field hunters get really upset saying you're hunting the roost or um, you're not hunting geese how you're supposed to or something along those lines, um, which I find kind of ridiculous. But what do you think about that, Elliot? Well, I, I think it's, I'm not, I'm not for that opinion <laughs> at all. Um, I, I think the guy that I talked to was had an elitist stance to begin with. In fact, he said that we were not real hunters. Um, and the way the context of how we go about it, when we goose hunt, we're doing it on a shallow river, the Kansas river, which is shallow, fairly good sized river, but shallow. And so, um, when, when the marshes really lock up solid and even the lakes start to freeze, um, you will have a lot of pockets of birds up and down the river. So you go every couple miles, you'll have a hole open with just thousands of birds in it. So what we attempt to do is we, is we try to find those holes and then get out to them, flush the birds off and then, and then set up. And the, I guess some people would just believe that um, if you're not hunting them in the field and you're not doing it the right way. And if you're hunting them at the roost and you're ruining it, for everyone. And I, I just, I love hunting them on the river. I think uh, ice holes on the river are, are one of my favorite types of hunting to do period. So, I mean, if, if I can, if I can find them on the river and hunt them on the river, um, I'm certainly not going to decide to not do that just so that some guy that I don't know can have a good hunt. Um, <laughs> I find that to be a little silly. And, and here, like, so you'll get, you'll get roost, Normally when we kick them off an ice hole, they will go where we can still see them. I mean, they'll go a mild up or down river and they're still right there. So, um, it's, it's not really affecting a whole lot, but I have, I've, I've talked to people in person that have told me that I've talked to people, um, on the videos that have told me that, and it just doesn't make any sense to me. I'm really big into wanting a, the environment of where I hunt to be enjoyable. And I've, I've laid in a field before and I've laid in the middle of river on ice before. And I can tell you without a doubt, laying in the middle of a river is more enjoyable environment than laying <laughs> in a farmer produced crop field. So 
Um, I, I don't care what those people say about that. I think it's elitist and, and a little bit one, one-sided to think that they expect me not to hunt the way I hunt so that they can do well. <laughs> what if uh, your standpoint is one-sided and elitist? <laughs> but I'm not telling them that the way they're doing it is wrong. See, that's the difference. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just giving, I'm giving you a hard time. Sorry. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> we're, we're actually planning on trying something new this year. Um, and we're going to set up an ice eater over a pond and try to keep a hole open and see if we can bring some geese to us. We've never actually done it. We've seen it on videos mm-hmm. and stuff, but mm-hmm. uh, for ourselves, we've never tried it, but we're pretty excited to do that here soon. Now, how many days, how many, how much time will you try to give it um, bef- when you get the water on, on there opened to when you hunt it? Well, like we're actually thinking about doing it here in a couple of days because our season starts, um, goose season starts up this weekend. So, um, and, and we got a cold front um, the last uh, four or five days of uh, low twenties at night. So everything's froze right now. But right now we're going back through a warm up where every, it's getting up to the upper thirties during the day and mm-hmm. uh, just above freezing at night. So stuff's going to start thawing out a little bit and we're going to put it out or our plan was to put it out Wednesday or Thursday and, uh, just run it for, if run it for a week and see what happens. Um, we won't have to run it the whole time because of this warm up that we're hoping just to kind of push a thaw, uh, push an open, uh, push some of the ice off early and to get a hole open and then it should kind of keep open for the next week, week and a half. And then we're just going to keep it there as it starts to freeze again. So our thought was just to get water open sooner and just keep it open for a couple of weeks to see what happens. So we're yeah. going to give it at least a, you know, two or three weeks of running it to see, see if we can suck some in there. We, we've, we've heard it, it works. So mm-hmm. we're keeping our fingers crossed. That'll be interesting. Well, I mean, I know just breaking ice holes open at times just on any given day can work. So if that can work, I'm sure those ice eaters can work as long as there's, a good population around right right yeah the only issue i can see with it is if you end up having them roost there so you have a hole in a pond and they just start roosting there yeah um when are you gonna hunt it you know and then you hunt it once and then they're gone but if you have a, a spot where they're you know going out to feed they're roosting somewhere else and they're coming there as a day pond or a loafing spot mm-hmm. then man you could have some really good hunts all season long yeah ge- geese are really hard to figure out from my limited experience as far as when you push them off how long it's going to take them to be back in numbers because i know i think in on ponds it seems like they're they're more ready to come back than on the on the rivers i know when we kick off those huge number of geese off of uh river holes we will do well but I mean, we're getting singles and doubles and little groups of five coming back in. We're certainly not getting the masses to come back in. Mm-hmm. Um, where where on ponds, it seems like if they get used to habitually using a pond, it seems like maybe they're more likely to continue to come back to it, even even if you're in there shooting on them and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's a very limited sample size I have, but I know that seems true on some of Aiden's ponds and on Corn's pond, it seems like, I mean, we were in there busting them one day and just a couple days later, they were back in there. Um, so I, I think that maybe they start getting habitual about what they're doing and one hunt isn't going to maybe be enough to, to, to spoil it. Yeah. 
So next topic we got here is uh, calling strategies. And I don't know about you, Elliot, but calling for geese is definitely not one of my strong suits. Um, (laughs) No, I'm pretty terrible at it. Every time I make a video with it, I'm getting comments about how bad I am. I know I am. I am. (laughs) I am. I'm a lot more sensitive about people criticizing my duck calling, which isn't that great to begin with either. But my goose calling is just like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm still working on mine as well. And so, uh, but Hunter over here is a, a pretty decent caller and we hunt with yeah. some good callers as well. So yeah. we'll kind of Aiden's take, pretty decent take too. The will Aiden, on this Aiden's one pretty and, good too. And, uh, you know, go ahead and take it away on the calling strategies, Hunter. Well, I'm not a professional by any means. Um, you didn't win world calling competition? No, well, I won world for uh, our town of Wakarusa, but um, <laughs> besides that, I didn't make it out um, of our 1,000 thousand, thousand population. Uh, but I, I think for geese is definitely – geese are harder to read than ducks. It's not like we're ducks. You can kind of, you know, when they're flying away, you can suck them back in again and get them to fly, you know – past three or four times it's like from what we've seen you get one chance maybe two and then they're out of there and so um i think late season we tend to uh shy away from calling as much i think we tend to be on the more conservative side on calling um and we'll call less if we're not sure but we we'll try to mimic what they're doing if they're really loud and then we'll try to be more loud. But for us, if we can get like two guys to work together, um, it sounds way better than just one guy trying to do his routine. It sounds way more realistic. Um, so if it, if we only have one guy, um, we'll usually just kind of hang back and just cluck and maybe moan some and not really, you know how a lot of guys will do their cadence and everything. We just kind of mm-hmm. keep it simple, and that seems to work better for us. Just kind of keeping it simple, and because I think that they've seen so much at that point in time. When you get to January, they've heard everything. They've seen all the decoy spreads. You know they've been shot at. They're more weary. So I think our strategy is is less is is better from what we've experienced. <laughs> I will say with my crapping calling, I did turn a couple of singles around at Corn's Pond with my crappy goose call. <laughs> they were actually responding positively to it. The singles were. There you go. It's probably because they haven't heard that tone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Let's go take another look. <laughs> yeah, probably so. <laughs> so uh, next topic we're going to jump into is... Um, Going with the chokes. This is one of Elliot's favorites. Maybe you can uh, go ahead and start with your your thoughts on what choke you'd use in uh, goose season. Me start. Yep. Um, I I just use modified. I'm I, I don't want to shoot a goose unless I know I'm going to kill it right at my feet. So um, even out goose hunting, we just don't we just don't extend our range much. So I I we shoot federal twos and I stick with the modified. I have I do take my full choke with me, and there has been. Um, one ISIL goose hunt where the geese just wouldn't come in close that I did move to a full choke and, and kill a goose that way, which made a big difference. But normally speaking, I just keep the modified in and go with twos and, and don't shoot them unless they're in close, especially on ice over ice holes. You have to be really disciplined with your shooting because if you're not, then you're going to have birds going clear down the river and places that you can't retrieve them. And so it, then that's where we're hunting them. So we, we shoot them close. Mm-hmm. I guess for me, I've I've used improved modified in the past. 
Um, and I have thought of different chokes, but I've never actually tried anything else. What do you got on that, Hunter? Um, I always I stick to two chokes, and my my choke that I run pretty much through almost well to the end of this year um, is it's a medium choke, um, but it actually sticks out. It's more like a, it's basically like a full choke. So I, I don't know, just me personally, I usually stick to the full, um, and I just try to, I, I try to slow up my shot and not shoot them. I, I mean, it seems like everybody I hunt with either, either uses like a, a modified or improved modified. And so they, they have the better chance of the closer and I just keep my pattern a little tighter and, um, hopefully get my chances up as they're you know, a little farther. So I'm, that's what I do. And then as it gets later, I'll put in an extended range just because the geese are so tough. It's like they put on like eight later layers. And when January comes around and it's like, you got to put everything into them to get them to drop. So those are the two chokes that I use. See, we don't have any problems at all killing them dead with twos. I mean, none. But it may just be a distance thing as well because, I mean, we're still shooting them from 15 to 30 yards. Yeah. Not, you know, I'm 35, I'm sure. It's it's hard to gauge distance, but um, we're, we're on those, especially you get them coming into an ice hole, it's just it's in your face. Yeah. You know, it's you're not taking swinging stuff over you. It, you just don't. So, But, I mean, at that range with twos, I have absolutely no problem killing them dead. Yeah. All right. Next topic we'll jump to is concealment strategies. Um, let's jump to light. Let's let's jump to lights all real quick. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. And and talk about that. So um, if you listen to the podcast, you're probably aware at this point that we have um, a partnership with lights all, and this partnership goes back with me personally quite a while for through my freelance duck hunting um, YouTube channel where um, I did a product review for them and they gave me um, this big flashlight and anytime anytime that i do these type of partnerships with people um when you when you haven't gotten the the item in your hand you never quite know what to expect but um lights all has um a huge flashlight small flashlights head flashlights lanterns and the quality of this equipment is top notch especially for the price um i mean i can't imagine just holding a flashlight in my hand and it feeling more solid than these flashlights and so um, lightsall.com and our discount code is Jordan duck hunt 10 duck hunt 10 10 percent off and it's it's l-i-t-e-z-a-l-l I've had a few people asking so making it more clear yep l-i-t-e-z yeah 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 and uh, I continue to be just amazed with the head flashlight we were and this is the last thing i'll say but we were we were boating in the dark aiden and i were saturday clear across this probably a good three four miles and this particular lake has a lot of submerged trees and everything and i did the whole thing with just my head with just the lights all headlamp it's so in fact i had aiden put away the lights all torch just because it was reflecting off stuff and i did the whole thing with just that headlamp that thing is ridiculously powerful so yeah, looking for a headlamp headlamp. It, I, it's the best headlamp I've ever seen by far. Alrighty. Definitely Let's go agree. check it out. Go check it out. <laughs> All right. All right next, 
next uh yep next category concealment um so obviously the, obviously the three different types you could do um for concealment you could have layout a frame or natural vegetation um natural vegetation is a little bit harder just because uh you can't necessarily go where you want to go you got to go where the vegetation is and if it's too far away from the geese or all that kind of stuff that's when you have to start using the other stuff and even then um if you're going to use an a-frame or layout around the natural vegetation you're probably going to be more concealed um than otherwise so you, you want to jump in here hunter yeah uh i mean we in years past have mostly hunted our layouts just because we do a lot of field hunting um so we just try to keep our profile as low as as we can but this year i think if if we can get some chances we're gonna definitely try to change it up um we've been hunting out of our a-frame a whole lot more this year and for the most part um they're still sucking in giving us good shots so we want to try to to use though those a-frames out um later season in the fields more to see if we can get good results and I, I think we can um you, you still got to blend it in well and you still got to cover up but um i think that's what we're going to try to do hopefully we get a good some good hunts to try that but traditionally we're we're sticking to layouts for for most of it which is probably different than what you're doing elliot well anytime we're in fields we're in we're in layouts um several things i've heard recently from multiple people is I've heard that there's some people that are starting to believe that geese are getting smart to layouts. And so um, I'm seeing guys ditching the layouts and trying to blend themselves in with decoys and color of the suits they're wearing versus layout blinds. I personally find that hard to believe um, that a goose would be smart enough. Cause I mean, if you, if you brush a layout properly, it blends in, you can't tell it's layout, but I've heard multiple people say they feel like that the geese are starting to get wary of those, those layouts. Have you guys, either of you heard anyone say that? Yeah, I can say from our, our personal experience that, I mean, it may be different like in a, in a prairie marsh where there's natural lumps all over the place. But if you go out in a field and you just put this line of lumps out there, mm -hmm. um, you know, let's say you got five guys out there and we had an experience with this earlier this year where we just had thousands of geese in the area and they were shy away from us. Um, and we had five layouts and they were brushed in as well as you could brush in blinds. Mm -hmm. um, and they'd get super close um, just out of range and they'd veer away. Mm -hmm. And so one, one kind of thing I've, I've been hearing that as well. A lot of people saying that, that geese are getting wise to layouts, um, and more and more people putting up the A-frames out in the middle of fields and having great success. And I even saw they had, they had a, a post, a forum post in hardcore waterfowl, um, this last week. And it was like 75% of people believe that A-frames have better results in the middle of a cornfield when they look unnatural compared to layouts and I, you know, I was just I reading just... through the the comments and one person said that um that they believed that it was easier to or it looked more natural to have one lump opposed to like one large lump opposed to five medium-sized lumps yeah i i would believe that if you're talking a lot of guys you give me me and one or two other guys in layout blinds, I don't believe for a second that an A-frame that stands five feet tall and is a, is a rectangle with nothing around it is going to be better than 
me and one or two other guys in layup lines. I just, there's just, I just can't believe it. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I've heard the same thing. I, I, I kind of, I kind of agree with you, Elliot. I, I wonder, cause like with us, what, since we're hunting a, a large resident population, like these resident geese, they're hitting the same fields all the time mm-hmm. and they know, they know what they are seeing. They know when something's different for me, I have a hard time believing that you could throw an A-frame out there and they're just going to suck into it. And I, I can maybe see um, how people are doing it with migrators where migrators are coming through and this is the first field they're hitting, not knowing any different, um, fooling them with an A-frame because mm-hmm. they're not hitting this field all the time, all year, you know, they're passing through. So I can see how people are doing it, but I, I'm kind of with you. I'm, I'm always thinking the less profile, the better. That's just my thought. Um, but that's kind of why we're going to try to give these A-frames a try to see if these geese are actually learning and looking for the, the inconspicuous layout blinds, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. giving a that's giving a goose a lot of cognition to think that they could hold on to an experience like that, and then days later be thinking of it and evaluating that. Man, that's get that's getting a lot of people. I mean, that's a general consensus, but that just seems like to me to be above what the cognitive ability of a, of a goose would be. I definitely think it's hard to say for sure what their cognitive abilities are, but we do know that if you hunt an area that they don't necessarily come back yeah, um, for a while at least. And how long that is, you know, two weeks, three weeks, uh, I'm not sure. Uh, and I guess, you know, repetitive might be different than kind of a one-time thing. Well, and um, we know too that like, you know, on, on the on the marshes, like some marshes around here, well, especially in Missouri, you can only hunt up until like one o'clock, right? And yeah. 101 to 105, man, the the birds are pouring in there like right on schedule. Or like if you can hunt it um, all day, like I've seen multiple times that right after shooting time's over, here come the birds. So yeah. I know for a fact they're smart enough to do that because I've I've witnessed it myself over and over and over again. So yeah, it's tough to tell whether you know, like we had uh, the hunt you're talking about, Jordan, where we had. Uh, like a thousand geese that just weren't playing. It, it's hard to say whether it was our layout blinds or if they were potentially decoy shy, you know, and they just, what was it, you know, where was maybe it, one guy in that one guy in the group that won't stop swinging his head around. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it, it's hard to say, but well, I will say too, that I'm hearing a lot of people say that a frames in the middle of a, of a field work. I mean, it's, it's not just a it's not just a small group of people that are saying that they're they're finding it effective to do that. I'm wondering what range they're taking their shots as well because it's yeah. like a boat blind. Guys in boat blinds say they can shoot ducks, but like the tall boxy ones. Mm-hmm. But in that, when I'm in a marsh and I'm watching guys in boat blinds do it, they're shooting their birds at 40 yards, not 15. Yeah, so we we don't ne- we don't necessarily have like. Um a good feel on it yet, but we're definitely going to put it to the test this year with the geese in the middle of the year or the middle. Yeah, of the field, I, I'm really, I'm really excited to see it now that I've got the, you know, the HTR a frame, um, man, I'm really excited to try it out. I'm hoping that when Jordan's here, that we hunt, um, the place that we just hunted this last Saturday, 
because um, I, I think that would be the really cool place to try the A-frame out. We've got a little bit of willows, old dead willows in there. I think it would blend in really well there. Um, so I, as far as those type of, of place, we're talking water's edge and, and things like that. And, and I think that also on the edge of a pond is another place that I'm excited to try to use it for geese because they, you know, they just get so habitual into these ponds and you put an A-frame on, on the shoreline. I, I don't, I, th I don't think they will think twice about dropping into the pond with the A-frame right there. Yeah, we've had, not to get too much on the A-frame, I'm definitely biased about A-frames. I love A-frames. One of my favorite ways to hunt. Uh, but we've had such great success with ducks uh, this year out of A-frames. <clears throat> yeah, I'm excited to try. You know, after, uh, did you see the pictures where Aiden and I set up the A-frame in, in my front room? Yep. Um, we were just, I videoed that and we were just playing <laughs> around with it. But after, after we put it down, we tried to make it uh, configure it with less pieces like it would work for a one-man. Have you guys ever tried that? We've, we've thought about we've it. We've thought yeah. about it actually because of some other blinds that have come out there. Um, yeah. And it, yeah, I mean, because they have, they have one man blinds out there. Yeah. Well, I mean, that HTR A frame, you can make it into a one man. The, the, the covering doesn't quite fit perfectly, but I mean, it fits right together <laughs> structurally. It, it was interesting. We were just goofing around with it. Just like, would you be able to, you know, take this as a one guy thing? You absolutely would be able to do it. Are you it's talking about small... like cutting down your cross members? Yeah, yeah. Just use half the cross members. Yeah, and yeah. Then take your your cloth yeah. all the way around, and then you just have just, one yeah. opening in the back. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Just wrap. It doesn't quite fit, but I mean, that's it, a pretty it, funny idea. Structurally, it fit together perfectly. I mean, it would yeah. be great for a one person. Yeah. Uh, we got some you just have to ad lib the cloth should, uh, a little bit. Yeah, we should uh, take some of our scrap pieces and just screw around with that for, for kicks. Yeah. <laughs> you really should because it was, I'll tell you, I was impressed with it as a one man. <laughs> and, and as the full length too, it's just so much smaller. Um, yeah. It was fun though. It was fun goofing around with it. Yeah. So <laughs> let's, uh, let's jump to decoys. Um, and we're kind of get winding down to the end of this podcast. So let's, jump through this we have a bunch of topics to go through there but i'm sure we can be brief on those um so hunter let's go ahead and jump in what what kind of setup do you like for your decoys uh so we try to kind of mimic what we see in the field but generally speaking the later the season goes on the more decoys we're using because the more geese we're seeing so we're going with bigger spreads um and then we make sure that we keep a good amount that are that are in top condition um, and try to keep them as clean as we can for those those weary geese. So more and uh, and we try to get the the best ones that we have in the bunch. Or or if we don't have any, we'll try we'll clean them up and make them make them look nice and pretty appealing. And you guys do stuff like uh, keeping snow and ice off of them. Yeah, and and along with decoys, I mean we mostly run full bodies and. Uh, especially with field hunting but now with the collection that jordan has has um added on we are doing a lot of uh doing more of silhouettes and silo socks um i like the silo socks definitely it's awesome movement and it definitely adds to the spread i'm excited to use that later in the season i've never been a big fan of silhouettes that's just me personally i know a lot of guys like them and swear by them um if it were my choice i'd not use them but I know we we have used them before, um, but yeah, I, I love full bodies. That that's mostly what we use. 
Yeah, those white rock decoy wind socks definitely do good to get the motion in the set. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, yeah. I know another pro tip you had is you, you say you kind of mess with the snow to kind of give it a natural look. Yeah, so if we get a couple inches of snow, we'll, we'll kick the snow around and we'll, we'll uh, make it look like a big feed. Um, I think it, it definitely does, it doesn't look real when you have all these when you have 100 150 goose decoys out there and there's no open corn um so we'll kick corn around and we'll we'll make it look like they've been feeding there for a while and open it up to i think it it definitely helps makes it look more realistic and appealing uh, do you got anything to add on this topic for decoys in the late season not not really i know almost nothing about strategies to setting up (laughs) decoys when when we're doing it on the river we're typically hauling very few in there and we're talking a couple of dozen that we scatter out now with these white rocks we have um it's going to be real interesting um especially on ice holes i think we're going to have to take a little drill out with us probably but i have been impressed with um i've used the socks and silhouettes a couple times on ponds this year and i i have been impressed with how they look i think they look pretty good I, I will say when we when we do hunt the rivers, the the little amount we do, we don't we don't take much out with us. We'll take mm-hmm. like a dozen floaters, but we do like to use shells wherever we can. I think mm-hmm. the shells are really appealing. Yeah, sure. And one thing I've heard from you know multiple people with those shells, the sleeper shells. You know, you think about a goose that's the most comfortable it can be and feeling the most safety safe it can be. It's when it's sleeping. So you put those out on the edge of your ice. It's uh, I think that's. Uh, definitely a confident confident boost for your uh, decoy spread for the geese. So I guess I guess that pro, uh, pretty much wraps up our topics for it. Um, one thing that we always do when we have guests on, this is Hunter's first time for coming on the Duck Gun Podcast, so we're going to go ahead and jump into the lightning round. Uh, qu- questions, quick answers. You ready? I think so. All right. What shotgun do you use? I use the Benelli Super Black Eagle 2. Mm. Almost as good as a Browning. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and what what kind of shells do you go with? Uh, I have been using the last couple of years uh, number twos, uh, Kent's, and thinking about switching that up this year. But What are you going to switch to? I really am going to... Uh, I'm probably going to go back to uh, heavy metals and see how, see how, if they do any better for me. Definitely, that'll be interesting. Uh, do you use three inch or three and a half? I'm a three and a half inch guy. I'm pretty much um, just going to blow my shoulder out by the age of 40. <laughs> I've, com- I've committed, so. Yeah, uh, one guy we've had on here, uh, Dr. Duck, pretty much everybody knows he is, who he is, but he calls them candlesticks. <laughs> and I almost want to use them just so I can say I shoot candlesticks. But <laughs> <laughs> He is but, a stud. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, and face paint or face mask? Face paint all the way. Uh, except for winter. Uh, winter, will, I'll always do a face mask when we got snow on the ground. Because I can't. I, I need to be more white. I am pretty white, but any little <laughs> extra bit of white I can make myself is great. Jordan, you have not, doesn't see, it seems like you've scaled back on your war paint this year. You know what? I've, you know, it's probably because I haven't been, um, up as early as I should be on some of these hunts and I run out of time. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. I've not face painted one time this year. And, oh yeah? Uh-huh. Well I'm still beating you by a long shot then. I've yeah. I've face painted a lot. 
Um, let's what what else am I missing from this? Uh, beard or no beard? Beard, um, for as long as my wife will allow it. <laughs> and how long is that? <laughs> She's really, really pushing hard. I don't know. There's going to be a razor coming at me at night here real soon. <laughs> is I it think. the whole kissing thing that's bothering her? Yeah, she hates that. Yeah, she yeah just, so apparently it's all scratchy. Yeah, right. Well, my hair, <laughs> my hair is like, I mean, it's super tough. I, I mean, you can't even get through that thing with a... <laughs> You're breaking combs and yeah, it's it's nasty in there. So. Have you tried no no mustache? <laughs> we have a we have a heavy uh, population of Amish here, so I don't. I try to keep a mustache. Uh, I I actually uh, tr- trimmed my mustache off a couple times. Um, one time I was working at a machine stop, a machine shop, and uh, one of the the kind of normal names for Amish around here is Yoder. And my last name's Fromer, so the guys were calling me Yomer for a while. <laughs> Had a big beard and no mustache, but <laughs> so I'm going to keep the mustache as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely do that. <laughs> Anything I'm missing from this list, Elliot? I don't think so. You uh, haven't given, like, uh, habitat preferences. Oh, yeah, so uh, what's your? Uh, would you rather hunt rivers, fields, or, uh, or ponds? Oh, man, I... Hunting over water is fun just because we don't do it as much. We we hunt mostly out of field. So if if I could have, like if I had a, a smash of birds to kill over a field or water, I'd pick water. All right. Ducks or geese? Uh, uh, gucks. Can I say gucks? I mean, I, <laughs> I, I like watching geese fall out of the sky. So I'd probably say geese. We've hunted geese for longer, but... Ducks, it's super close. I, I'll edge it to geese, though. And uh, I think that that pretty much covers it. So, um, anything else you'd like to add at the end of this podcast, Elliot? I don't think so. It's been it's been a good one. Yep. Thanks for coming on, Hunter. Uh, go ahead and um, let know let people know where they can find you. Uh, give them a little bit of information about what you got going on at HGR. And yeah, so uh, we got uh, Instagram page at HGR underscore Innovations. Um, we're this is the first year we've been filming all of our hunts um, on YouTube. So HGR Waterfowl. Uh, we have a website www.htrinnovations.com where you can find. All the products we have from A-frames to layout lounges um, to gun stands. And we got apparel. We got some fresh fresh hats um, and some other um, gear and uh, uh, items on there for you. So check it out. We're running specials all of December. So don't miss out. Check them out while they're, while they're on sale. And... Um, yeah, I think that's all I got. Yeah, and those links will be down in the description below if you guys want to check it out and in the podcast show notes as well. So uh, that's all we got for tonight, guys. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, Hunter from HDR Innovations, and Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting. And we'll see you guys next time. <laughs>